Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Welcome in. We are back on OutKick 360 live from our 6th and Peabody studios downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Kuharski is here. Jonathan Hutton, well-deserved week off. He starts his vacation today, but no vacation on this show. We got a lot to get to on this Monday edition of the show, including David Cutcliffe, one of the best offensive coordinators in the history of college football, head coach, longtime head coach at Ole Miss and Duke as well. He will join the show coming up at 420 Central Time. Looking forward to that one. A lot to get in before that. It was a busy weekend. Paul, it was one of those weekends that it felt like a long weekend since I last saw you on Friday, but it was not. You're typically the one who comes in and says the weekend wasn't long enough. So what say you? Did this weekend feel longer than most? It did feel somewhat long. Now, I had an interesting situation when my son was away, didn't get back till mid-afternoon Sunday, so it was a quieter house than usual, and I did really absolutely nothing. Um, outside of Saturday morning workout, the, uh, iron tribe still holding. So I went Saturday morning. I went this morning. So the Saturday morning up early and tired me out, uh, gave me liberties. I felt like to do very little. And what I wound up doing was watching, uh, too much breaking bad, which was on a, a marathon, I think on A and E in preparation for better call Saul. Uh, Which is back tonight. Tonight. tonight yeah. I, by the way, did not enjoy these short previews or uh, uh, teasers that are going on for Better Call Saul. I don't find them um, enlightening much. And they were running a lot during this Breaking Bad um, marathon. So they don't have me fired up for it, though I am fired up for it and uh, could watch it live tonight. I'm amazed that did, would you sit through the commercials on the marathon? Well, it's very you know, old flipping school of you. to get uh, flipping to get back, and they're right before it restarts okay. or right after it comes out of commercial. Well, the the little teasers, and I saw this because something recorded for Better Call Saul over the weekend because I have record all, and they do like a 90 second recap of the entire show. I like that because which I need is a like reset. so snappy. Reset. It's it goes from the very it's two minutes long. The whole it's like an episode that records two minutes. Oh, I have and those it's, on it's my Better DVR. Call Saul I'll recap watch them tonight. And you watch it. There's only one that I know of, but it just recaps the entire series. My quickly. DVR's actually recorded three or four things in the Better Call Saul department that I uh, at one point I thought, oh my god, it's restart, and I missed it. But I have to go see what those are um, before tonight's. Episode. I, I get nostalgic for actually having to wait a week for a show. I'm doing this right now for, with uh, for all mankind. You have to wait each week for them to drop. You watch that as well. Better Call Saul, the same way. Um, Westworld, I, I'm back watching again. Season three was awful. Season four is more of a repeat of season one, so it's a lot more entertaining. What's it so take far? for you to give up on a show, actually? Well, because I've seen some through. Is, we know the the new Pope or whatever it was. I stuck through, and it was a painfully bad show. And I somehow dedicated it to myself. 
But even the affair I went too long with, but I did give up on it in the final season. But like the flight attendant, we went maybe eight, ten episodes and decided it was bad and bailed. You don't seem I, to I give bail. up. I, I give up. I, you probably just don't hear about it when I give up on them because I won't talk about it. But um, I give up when it becomes a chore to go back and watch an episode. Like when I see it on the DVR and I think to myself, man, I got to get through this if I, if I want to know what's going on. Westworld never felt like a chore, well, and Westworld I think when the mystery episode one, the when the when the mystery becomes uh, what I strive to see or figure out, then I'll continue watching even through some bad episodes. Westworld's bad. That's how I do it. Westworld is not bad. What Westworld season three okay, was horrible. bad. I think on the whole, it's pretty good. Um, you know, it's not good, Paul. So I'm living the bachelor life this weekend because my family's up in Nebraska. You got nine full days? I've got nine days. That's a long time. I don't have a lot on the docket. And uh, this is something, and maybe I'll get on the couch right now and you can be my shrink in this moment. Because I'm sitting at home over the weekend and I find, I always thought, man, if I, you know, if there was no family obligations, I would be super productive because I'd have so much more time. But what I found was when I have nothing going on and I'm in such a routine right now of going home, playing with my two daughters, you know, getting them ready for bed, they go to bed, eat dinner, watch a TV show or two, go to bed, but then work until then. But now when I'm just home, I thought I would be more productive. I'm far less productive and I found it very difficult to get off the couch most of this weekend. I, I can't put you on the couch with regard to this, Chad, because what you're describing... This is your life? ...is my life. Yeah. I, I mean, I, over the course of the weekend with my wife home and my son arriving home, and he was grumpy when he got home and kind of, you know, sulked off and went to his room and did his YouTube watching and video game playing and didn't really visit with us at all until dinner time where he opened up a, a slight bit about what his trip had been like. This was much what I did outside of getting up relatively early for an eight o'clock workout on a Saturday. I laid around the entire weekend, watched a lot of TV, you know, I ate and cleaned up some dishes. That was my big accomplishment. I took the dishes from here I rinsed them off and I put them in the dishwasher. And I felt like, wow, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, I went, uh, I, I, I ultimately, I thought I was going to do it Saturday, put away all my clothes that were on my chair in my bedroom. I got around to it on Sunday, and this was a big accomplishment. Now, this takes me 15, 20 minutes. It should not be a big accomplishment, but I felt like, wow, I really did something well, here today. With Angie around, like there would, there, I would not be allowed to do that. Like There would always be something for me to do because she would be making sure that I'm doing something at all times. So when I don't have you know, that whip being cracked at home or where I don't have the guilt of being lazy. I think it's more inner guilt if she's doing all this stuff and I'm not See, doing anything to help out. My inner guilt has reached its uh, just expiration went away. date. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for and you, And my wife doesn't hey, nag. God bless her. Congratulations yeah. that that inner guilt went away because yeah. it, it's still there with me. But even just sitting there doing You've nothing, I was feeling guilty like I should be doing something. But, but ultimately, you not, returned to the couch. could not pull myself away from just clicking, okay, next episode on whatever I was watching and sitting there on the couch. I'm in and out of sleep yesterday afternoon watching the Braves winning extra innings. That's how it's made and to be. It really made me ponder, one, am I depressed? Maybe there's, maybe depressed. there's an issue there. They just but left. Two, here's the thing. Aren't we all depressed at some point or another? 
Like, isn't depression just kind of cyclical? Well, I think it's underlying. I don't. Like, I, I don't feel like every human at underlying. some point is depressed. I think every human is depressed, and it's just underlying. And then we get our our happiness, and we stack it on top of that depression. But if the happiness fades, uh, we default to somewhat sad. Do you think our base level instinct? is to be somewhat happy or content or to be depressed. No, I think this it's is something else I was depressed. thinking about on the, on the couch yesterday. I'm thinking is this this my true self here on this couch depressed, not, unable to move, not wanting to move, or is my true self more of like in the middle? I think it's to be depressed the default. The thing is uh because we can't have what we want. Unless you're one of those people that is really well trained to be content with what you have. And I don't know if I know too many of those people. Like, are you truly happy with what you have or do you want more? I, I was raised to like always want more. And so I've done very well. I, I have a good life, but I want more. And my energy to go get more is down. I'm 53 years old. I don't know that I'm going to get more. I'm pretty much where I'm going to be. And so that depresses me. Yeah, I've gotten I to my certain status. It's good enough. And my desire to go get more, that that tank is empty. And so that is a fundamental cause of disappointed in myself. Uh, that's not going to go away. Well, see, Paul, I want to get to your station in life where I am content and don't want to seek more. Like, I always want more. Here's an example. I'm on Instagram I want more over the weekend. and I do some stuff for more, but I'm not doing There's, grandiose well, things for more. Here's an example, and you may feel the same way. There are far too many people that I'm friends with on Instagram that are in Europe right now on some sort of vacation. Or they're all at the beach on vacation, and I just watch this and get depressed. When well, I social see this, media is a major I'm cause thinking, of depression. I'd love to go to Switzerland, you know, in the summertime or you wherever will. I see someone. I'm thinking I I want to get there, and then I had dinner with my parents on Friday night, and they just got done watching Elvis, which I saw last week. How they like? And they grew up with Elvis, you know, and were big fans. My mom said she went to a concert. Uh, that uh, Elvis had at somewhere around she saw Middle Elvis? Tennessee. Saw him live. That's amazing. Like a year or two before he died. You know, he, he had Fat a concert Elvis. here. Fatter Elvis, for sure. But she said, you know, I got to be honest. I watched this movie, and in the end, I'm just depressed because my life is, you know, behind me, is what she said. Like, I'm hearing this music and remembering those times, and I'm just sort of depressed after seeing it, even though I really enjoyed the movie. And I'm thinking... I already feel that way about certain things. I do think the world as it is, in many ways, accelerates us towards that feeling for our parents quicker, which is not a healthy thing at all. Well, there's a perfect tie-in here to the story, one of the crazy social media NFL stories of the weekend that we're going to get to all of them. Social media makes us unhappy because we see other people's best lives yes. all the time. And we want to attain that. But we don't see I, other people's worst lives at all. So we see the trip to Switzerland, but we don't see the fight while they were packing to get ready to go to Switzerland. I have so a we buddy think, who, what a great life they have. Yeah, I have a buddy who completely got rid of social media, a couple of them, and I feel like they're the happiest people I know. They, they don't look at it at all. They don't have any accounts. They don't see anything. So we don't get depressed about other people doing cool things. Uh, but the other problem with social media is it can cause some really dumb moments to happen, right? Like we, you said it, Paul. You put your public-facing self on social media, and then everyone else has you know, other things they do that they don't post on social media. Unless you're Lamar Jackson, who posted the following on social media. This was on his profile picture 
over the weekend. It was a picture, and if you're watching, you can see it. By the way, thanks to all of you who are watching right now or listening across our radio network. And the picture is of a gold grill, and it spells out, I need money, and the money being dollar signs over the weekend. And then when questioned about it, Lamar Jackson, again, who's in contract negotiations, does not have an agent, but in contract negotiations been with the Ravens, quiet. been very quiet, says, I'm not putting my business life on social media, but yet he posts this. He uh, says, uh, why, he kind of paraphrasing, you know, is why is everybody presuming I'm talking, I'm not talking to the Ravens on social media. Well, Lamar, if you, you are like the premier guy who is next in line for a contract right now. If you put something like this on social media and offer no context for it, people are going to automatically draw a conclusion. You're not being very smart if you put this out and don't think, what are people going to think this means? Everybody, when they tweet, is advised. Your coach, I'm sure, has advised you multiple times. Uh, you know, don't push sent. Think before you push sent. Before you put this up, you, you need to think, how is this? And you're a big, uh, you know, public figure with how many followers. You have to think, what are people going to think this means? And even if it's some cute movie reference from something that you just saw, you have to put it in the context of your life and what's going on in your life. There is no way people are going to see this and not immediately think this is a statement about your contract and your financial situation. And so they do, and then you blast the people. No, this is on you. This is a dumb thing to put up and think that people aren't going to take as a contractual comment. Well, and, it's, it, it, and I think a lot of people see this and think, you know, you're making way too big of a deal out of this. It is a movie reference or whatever, but... I just think, Paul, it speaks that the, the stupidity level of it would be the problem. Like, if you were honestly trying to take a shot at management, that's one discussion to have. And you're trying to send a message out there. Kyler Murray is a good example of what he and his agent were doing with the Cardinals, right? But if you're not doing that, then what the heck are you doing? Are you really that blind to think that people aren't going to read into it that way? Or are you just lying to everyone when you're saying it's not about any, any sort of contract negotiation. And look, I know people are going to say it's all about how he plays and none of this matters. Well, it matters to me that my quarterback isn't, uh, quite frankly, in this moment, bright enough to understand what that's going to set off. Um, you know, I, I don't even think Deshaun Watson, is, is if he was in a contract thing, is, is doing that. You know, who, what quarterbacks... Guys have done dumb stuff on social media, for sure, and do stuff like this. But I think most quarterbacks don't. Murray's been the most controversial social media quarterback, right? And his, the extent of his thing was that he took the Cardinals off his social media. Then he put them back on, I think. But like that's the grand statement that somebody's making. And there are other players who have done the same thing. Yeah, non-quarterbacks do dumber, brasher more outspoken things that might be akin to this. But if you're a quarterback, generally you're not leaving yourself out there for misinterpretation the way that he just did. And I don't think you're going to see the next round of quarterbacks who are in the same position that Lamar Jackson is in make missteps like that. Joe Burrow 
and Justin Herbert are a year away from being in his position, and I can't imagine them making a faux pas in line with that. Can you? No. Now, he doesn't I, have an I, agent. I couldn't. That's part of the problem. Now, look, he's not, you're not talking to your agent before you make a social media the post. The flip side of this is uh, that contract that Deshaun Watson just signed with the Browns muddies everything for these teams because if I'm Lamar Jackson, I can come back and be like, look what this guy got and, I was and an everything MVP. that's based him. And I, I was the MVP, and you don't have to worry about that with me. Uh, a dumb social media post, whatever, in the grand scheme of things, isn't a, a big deal. If it's a sign of something else, then maybe it is a big deal. But that's not. the argument if you're Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't change anything. It's just a, a dumb move that shows a lack of contextual understanding that bothers me. Uh, but I mean, it doesn't ch- it doesn't change anything for the Ravens. It doesn't change anything for him. His defense is is kind of foolish. I, I would rather he come back and go, you know. Given the the status of my contract and stuff, I could see how there's a lot of room for misinterpretation of that. That's on me. Yeah, and if that's you, a if more you take it down and comeback. just say that, oh, the response wasn't what I was expecting, and you're right. I could see how that would be misinterpreted, but this is what I was actually posting. Instead of that, we're all supposed to know that when he posts, we should read it with no Ravens context whatsoever. That's silly for, to, to, to suppose that millions of people – are going to automatically read Lamar Jackson's Twitter account and disconnect it from the Ravens. That, that's not happening. The Major League Baseball fan all-star vote is in, and what does it tell us about this country's interest in Major League Baseball, and specifically some of the star players across the league? We will discuss that, plus David Cutcliffe will join us at 4.20 Central Time later today. This is OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are back on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network, live downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody Studios. Big show ahead. Fun show, fun start to the show, I would say, if we weren't talking about depression in the first segment. But it's about to pick up right now because we're going to talk about Major League Baseball's all-star fan vote and what it says about our interest in Major League Baseball. So the fan vote comes out, and no big surprise – Aaron Judge, the leading vote-getter overall, and the leading National League vote-getter, this is where it gets a little uh, trickier, is Ronald Acuna Jr., who is a big name of the Atlanta Braves, but not having a great season and has been injured. And, Paul, I look up and down this Major League Baseball fan vote, and um, a a few things jump to mind. One, we love names, right, in sports, and sometimes guys with big names get the fan vote simply because we know who they are. I'm surprised, I guess I shouldn't be, but the level of interest in the Blue Jays, because they are a national team with Canada, getting a lot of fan votes also, I think really helps. But I look up and down the list, and I think, you know, what does this say about our fascination or lack thereof with stars 
and what it means for some of these names to be on this list. And also, I want to point out, I hate fan votes on almost anything when it comes to All-Stars. I hate fan votes, too, uh, because it turns into a popularity contest. Though I don't, And I don't follow the league that well, but I look at, I'm looking at the AL lineup uh, starters, and I don't, I don't have any big beefs. Uh, I don't know Alejandro Kirk, the Blue Jays catcher. Um, but I'll say this. I, I don't like the voting process. So I tried to vote online. Now, I, I remember, and I'm sure you, too, you do too, going to the ballpark where you got on your way to the seats from the usher, the old punch ballot. Cast your ballot at yeah. the ballpark. And you might have uh, stacked four or five where you punched for your guy. Uh, you know, and you multiple voted that way. But you could vote 15 at a time, I think, online. I punched a ballot online until it asked me for my email address. And then I'm out because I don't want to be spammed by Major League Baseball and have to get regular email. And so I would rather not get email. My desire not to get email from Major League Baseball outweighs my desire to have a voice in the all-star game voting. I wonder how many people are like me in that and simply would make that choice. Um, But I don't think it's a bad AL lineup from what I know. Uh, it's not overloaded with Yankees, who are the best team in baseball. That they did well on Stanton, the pitching. Aaron Judge are the two Yankees yeah. voted in, and they did well on the pitching end. And they don't have another position player, frankly, who's worthy, unless they had a utility spot because they've got a great utility guy in DJ LeMay who who moves all around. Who had a horrific night last night, by the way. But um, I don't have any beef with it. I, I think it turned out well. I think for a popularity contest. The, the right popular people are in it. And it's a mix of, of young and old. Yeah, Shohei Otani, by the way, uh, second straight year, voted in as both a pitcher and a hitter into the Major League Baseball All-Star game. Um, Which ne- is never a been massive done before. story. Massive story. And I know we talked about Major League Baseball popularity last week, but the best thing that could happen for Major League Baseball is for Otani to not be playing for the Los Angeles Angels. If they could move him somewhere else of interest, and there's a number of places that would be of way more interest, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox, across town to the Dodgers, but really not West Coast, but in an East Coast central time zone market that has a lot of media attention. Eastern or central, yeah. I just, Paul, this is the type of guy I want to see playing, pitching in meaningful games in October, and it's not happening with that organization, even with another one of the best players of this generation, Mike Trout, on the roster. They just stink. Um, you know, it'd be great to see him trade both of them and, and try to retool. I don't know what the hopes of that are. I don't remember. Did he start last year's All-Star game as a pitcher? Yes, I he believe did. he started. So if we could have that Because I, I know that because I watched again. the first inning of the All-Star game, and that's about it. If we could have that happen again, it would be terrific. Um, and... It just needs to be hyped more. I don't know how we get that to happen, but um, it's just so unprecedented. And there was some good hype around it last year, but not otherworldly hype. And there should be otherworldly hype about this. It it is unprecedented. I mean, we're talking like back to Babe Ruth, and it's a completely different game. It's a completely different era. You can't even – 
you know, for, for years and years, you couldn't even joke about a guy like doing it. It would something nobody would ever consider. Nobody could be good enough at both to get a chance to do it. And here's a guy who's all-star caliber good at both doing it. Yeah, and I just think, man, if this guy was in a different situation than with the Angels, because I'm not going to say different market because he's in the second biggest market in the country in L.A., but it's clearly the the second team. Because Anaheim is not the market. I know you call it Los Angeles, but it's the second team and it's not in the market. The White Sox are in the market. The Mets are in the market. But Anaheim is not really in the market. I I don't think it's regarded the same. Well, and, and I, look, the, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, of the All-Star Games in major sports, it's the only one is the best because anyway. it's, it's a legit game. I mean, you're not you know speeding up or slowing down the game or playing something different like you see in the NHL, NBA. Obviously, we're not even going to talk about the Pro Bowl, uh, which is very different. But it's a baseball game played amongst the best players in the world. Uh, one of the things I also love about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is you see all the players in their actual uniforms. Not and now this is not going to happen for a second straight year. To which I ask, this, Paul, this is a sport that is so reliant on traditionalism and old school and throwback. And at times, I think that hinders them with a younger audience and bringing in new fans. This is one that I guess the thought process is, let's present another uniform that's seen by a lot more people to sell. That's it. To fans. Money. But... I love the All-Star game being played with actual uniforms the teams wear. It was the coolest thing ever to see your guy go line up at introductions and be in his white uniform next to the rest of his league in their white uniforms and vice versa with the grays. is back and forth typically, right? AL Park, NL Park. All for a money grab. And how much are those uniforms selling? I mean, so much so that you can't pass on it? in the name of, of maintaining a great tradition, it's just another thing to piss people off. And, and also, and, can you not sell it just based off the home run derby? Because yeah. for years, they just wore or that uniform during the home run yeah, derby. Yeah, and wear it for warm-ups. Yeah. Warm-up shirt. They sell warm-up hats. Um, I, I think it's a huge mistake. And look, the traditionalists take a lot of crap, but they're also a foundational piece of your game and market so when you're taking away a tradition you got to be real careful about it and it seems to me they're kind of really loosey-goosey about it and it pisses me off yeah i'm with you on that novak Djokovic wins his 21st career grand slam that's one behind rafa nadal beats nick kyrgios yesterday in the wimbledon final paul i was discussing this with you last week but you know i'm, I'm watching uh, it was one of the uh, the quarterfinal matches, and uh, it, I, there's something about it was tennis. before Nadal dropped yeah. out. Yeah, N- Nadal's last Nadal match. beat the American, and now I'm blanking on, on his name. Begins with an F. Sure, we'll we'll figure. Go ahead, we'll call it, it out. Yeah, Fitz, Tyler Thank Fitz, you. Fritz, Fritz, Fritz. Yep, yeah. uh, Fritz. So I'm watching that. By the way, who's like one of the heirs to the family that merged with Macy's with the department store. May. Yes, the May family. Thank you. So watching that, though, there's something about the drama of that stage in a big tennis match that has very much a prize fight feel to it. And I think it's partly because of the camera angles at, at Wimbledon, partly because of the way they can capture the reaction of people, you know, of the players as they're playing, the crowd, everything else that plays into it. And I love it. 
And I'm watching Djokovic win yesterday, and I'm thinking, this guy may be the greatest of all time. You know, before all is said and done, may be right now. And is on his way, and he's one away from, from Rafa Nadal. Is it the most underrated GOAT in terms of you say his name, and it doesn't immediately resonate with everyone as maybe the greatest of all time that we've seen in this sport? Well, I think Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are all undersold. I mean, that three-way competition has been extraordinary. But in America, we're out on it because there's not an American element. Well, and are it. they harmed by the greatness of all three of yeah, them playing the in the time. same era? Yeah. You know, if be, they came a decade apart, all three of these guys, you'd have different generations of sports fans well, arguing a different person. I, I would argue you wouldn't want them to be one at a time, but that it's bad that they're three. If it was two and it was a real head-to-head thing, we'd like that better. Whereas more, you were relating a, a match to a prize fight, a good match. It would be real prize fighter-esque if there were two of them slugging it out. But that there have been three of them kind of triangulating it doesn't work so well for our minds, I don't think. I thought yesterday's match was oversold. I didn't watch the whole thing. I turned it on probably in the third set. But they played it as really close. Let me tell you a secret, tennis folks. It's not really close if it's four sets. It's got to go five sets to be really close. And I thought they overplayed Kyrgios's, uh quality of play. They were like, man, this guy played terrific. And he really stood toe-to-toe with one of the all-time greats, and he just couldn't get over the hump. Well, he had 33 unforced errors to 17 for Djokovic. And uh, his first serve points won were 70% to 83 he was one of six on break points. If he played great, those numbers would all be up. If he played great, those numbers would all be up, and then it would be a closer match. Then he would win the fourth set tiebreaker, and he would force a fifth set. And then the fifth set would be close. And then it would be close. Him playing great would mean he played up to Joker's level of play and made it a close match. I think they desperately wanted it to be close. I wanted it to be close, but it wasn't that close. Well, and it's also, it's a compliment to Djokovic that they're, you know, hyping it up that a guy who loses in four sets really did played something. the match of his life yeah, right. against Novak Djokovic because it's the Wimbledon final and he just, you know, rarely loses in those settings. Also he's thought, just so calm and steady and, and, you know. I thought the, like, emotional, you know, people were hyping a, the, an emotional breakdown with Kyrgios who has a lot of these moments when he's playing, is a very flamboyant guy and reacts in strange ways Talks at times to himself, on the court. He's talking to yeah, the and umpire. We've seen a lot of tennis guy, tennis players like this in the past, but I thought that was a bit overblown. But I, it was just odd. You know, I'm watching the highlights this morning of it, and uh, I'm seeing him yelling back at his, his group that was there with him of like family and friends. He does not have a coach. But he was yelling at his people to cheer him on more. And he was yelling back, was that not a big enough moment for you? Come on. Like yelling at him when they're sitting over there. Just very strange. I Almost did, like they got into a fight before the match started and he just carried it over. I did respect that he was able, and I, look, I'm, none of us ever compare our athletic um, feats or what we did to to guys at that level, not by any means. But you can compare what kind of athlete you were, right? And I was a hothead and an emotional athlete uh, who had trouble turning it off. I respected the fact that he t- really turned it off at the end of the match. He, uh, he was pissed at the chair ump a lot of the match. He shook hands with, uh, with Djokovic 
very quickly changed his mood, smiled for him, went right to the chair, shook his hand in good spirits and seemed, and then he handled all the post-match stuff with grace and said all the right things and acted the right way. Flipped the switch very quickly. Didn't need any cool down time. You know, and the cool down time is a big thing for American sports anyway. You know, you go to the football locker room, you've got 10 minutes, usually more like 15, before you face the press and everything. And that's in a big part to, to get your head and cool down and all of that. And it's that way in most sports where you're given some time to cool down, which I understand. And I think a lot of guys need. In that situation yesterday, you don't have any time, and the camera's on you the whole time, and you're, you know, the Duke, Duke and Duchess are, are upon you in relatively short order. And if you're a hothead guy like that, I don't remember how McEnroe wound down from his emotional stuff when he lost, but I thought uh, uh, Kyrgios did, did a really nice job in that department. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, he did a really good job. And uh, Taylor Fritz is the American player I was watching against Nadal. Now, that was a great match. Five sets, tie break in the fifth set. Uh, Nadal had to battle back from an injury that eventually caused him to retire from the tournament uh, before the semifinal match. But I remember Fritz, late, you could see the emotion cracking him a bit when he made a couple of unforced errors. And you could see him, you know, going a little bit long on some of his shots. Um but I'm, I watch that sport and I think, who wouldn't react emotionally in moments like that? Like I, I, It's amazing to me that someone can just flip the switch off and not have no reaction to a bad shot or something going on, right? Like Those are the ones who are remarkable to me, not the ones who are emotional about it, because I'd be emotional too. Yeah. Well, tennis and golf, obviously, the most you know, top two probably individual sports in terms of, um, well, I think we watch, I watch, and I say, how do guys put that shot behind them, put that game and tennis behind them, put that hole behind them in golf, you know, and I, I'm too quick to say, oh, you got to get over that, you know, whereas if, if I wouldn't get, be able to get over it at all. In a team sport, you can kind of hide for a little while. You know, you miss a gimme in soccer and you can, well, your team's getting back on defense. You can disappear from the camera shot for a while uh, you, you know the question's coming afterwards, but you also have a chance for the next however many minutes to, to get the goal, to make up for it, to do something. Um, you know, baseball, you get another at bat. You know, football, there's, there are more series, all of that stuff. Uh, the singular moment in tennis or golf, I, I can see it getting in your head a lot. The mental toughness is a different variety of things. Speaking of Rafa Nadal, Paul, you had a, uh, saw a great video of him greeting everyone at Wimbledon on his way out when he retired. Uh, really cool to see that level of camaraderie, but also respect for support personnel around that tournament. From Human Nadal. interaction, just uh, yeah. terrific. And, you know, I don't know how many guys are jerks at that level. I presume there's a reasonable percentage that consider the help the help. Um, but Nadal treated everybody like they were, you know, magnificently important in what goes on there and shook hands and took selfies and, and did everything on his way out and made them all feel incredibly important, which is very, very classy. Um, and you know, easy not to do. When we come back, there is an NFL starting quarterback that you should not introduce your mother to. We'll explain. <laughs> we'll do a deep dive. That's coming up next. This is outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski with you on this Monday. Jonathan Hutton out this week. We'll be back next week. And in a story that, quite frankly, was made for OutKick, Zach Wilson became an NFL legend over the weekend, according to football fans everywhere. The story, and I'm reading this from the New York Post, so Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend, a young lady by the name of Abby Gile, um, they apparently have done the whole social media scrub thing, where there's no pictures of the other one uh, on either social media account. And over the weekend, Zach Wilson's former college roommate and best friend, Dax Milne, who is a receiver for the Washington Commanders, posted a romantic Instagram post of himself with Abby. Zach Wilson, his former roommate and best friend's ex-girlfriend, right? So there were a lot of comments on social media about this. One of those comments accused Gile of something. This is a, a phrase that I learned over the weekend. I'd never heard it. Probably not surprising for someone my age. I've never heard this. She was accused of being a, quote, homie hopper by someone. Uh, Gracie's probably the only one young enough in here. Do you know what that is, Gracie? It's a common phrase, I'm guessing. Okay, homie hopper. So a homie hopper is obviously, Paul, you can put it together. Someone who, you know, bounces back and forth between friends, right? Uh, That's what Abby was uh, accused of being on social media. Well, Abby was not going to leave well enough alone. And instead, in a since-deleted comment, posted back that Wilson was, quote, sleeping with his mom's best friend. That's the real homie hopper. And then she put two laughing emojis. Sleeping with his own mother's best friend. Sleeping with his mom's best friend. So Wilson's mom's best friend was never identified, uh, and the quarterback has not commented on the rumor. Nor should he, nor will he, I would expect. So Nobody's uh, going to ask him about that. It's, Who's going to ask him about that? His first press conference, uh, somebody from the Post is going to say, uh, Zach, oh, I'm sure about someone's your mom's gonna, best friend. Someone's going to ask him. Now, you know, first TMZ off. TMZ will ask him. Like... <laughs> I'm sure that Zach probably asked her to take that down after seeing the response of this because this, this blew up over the Once weekend, it's but it's out there, and so she took it down. I mean, imagine uh, the calls that Zach's mom's best friends are getting from Zach's mom trying to find which one well, she called is Zach, being accused of this. No? What? So she called Zach for a very awkward uh, mother-son conversation. It's uh, <laughs> Do you call Zach? I don't know. Chad Ochocinco uh, tweeted out, Zach Wilson is the GOAT. Uh, DK Metcalf replied with, confirmed on that one, on this report. Uh, it's gotten a lot of attention, that, that's for sure. Um, by the way, Zach Wilson's mom, there it is from Chad Ochocinco if you're watching, Zach Wilson's mom was the star of the draft a couple of years ago when he was drafted. Very attractive lady. Very, very attractive. This um, is not the sort of thing you want aired, I would not believe, if you're Zach Wilson. 
So Zach and Wilson. Certainly, if you're Zach Wilson's mom's friend. So Zach Wilson and uh, Dax Mill no longer follow each other on social media. Th- this is where, like, going break. back to L- the Lamar Jackson story, this is where, in so many ways, not having social media would make everyone's life much better. I'm sure today Zach Wilson is thinking, man, I wish I didn't have social media. And I really wish my ex-girlfriend didn't have social media uh, where I was not dealing with this. Uh, I, I don't uh, I don't know what to say. I feel kind of you're very, guilty. You're very I feel silent. Gu- Why are you guilty? I, I feel kind of guilty uh, hashing through somebody's stuff on this level. Well, I mean, she's the one who hashed through it publicly. When she posted that, does she not know that everyone can see the comments? Oh, she knows. I mean, she felt they were talking about her, so she was going to give them something even juicier to talk about him. Well, I, and, and mission accomplished by her. I also, you know, read it, and she was just so out there with it that it almost seems like it was a known thing well that, like a maybe known the thing people in around a small them, group but yeah. not a known thing by the sporting world now it's a known thing by everyone yeah and there's a lot of you know cougar jokes with him playing at byu that came out on yeah, social and media now he's probably got people you know tmz is following him oh i'm sure T- that tmz is for probably I'm sympathetic on that all over the story i'm sympathetic also um and what if she's married but also, I mean, look, if it's one thing that she commented, you know, if he would have said that on a post, okay, but just some troll post that, and then your response to the troll is, not only are you now with the guy's best friend, and you're posting romantic, you know, beach photos together. You're outing him. You're outing him via a troll not associated with him. So if I'm Zach Wilson, I'm like, come on. WTF. What is going on? WTF, exactly. I mean, how does that happen? Why am I the one getting rolled over on this? I was going to ask you what's the worst exposure you've had in a similar light, but that is probably not something you would want to share here. Yeah, you just deny, 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 like Zach Nixon. Wilson. If yeah, someone the Nixon says anything. policy is yeah. the best policy for most things. But, you know, Nixon used that policy and he wound up resigning the presidency. People forget that part of it. Nixon did successfully deny, deny, deny. He did. But he also resigned the presidency. And but, re- but for Gerald Ford's gracefulness, he would have been uh, in prison. really. <laughs> he denied, 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 and then resigned, Avoided resigned, prison. resigned. Yeah. Um, story up at Outkick.com right now, right before the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, Dodger Stadium concession workers are threatening to strike. Leading up to this, which always leads me, you know, are they going to have like, you know, uh, the picket line busters if they bring in someone else? Maybe. Like you feel like if Dodger Stadium could afford for the or Major League Baseball for the All-Star game to just bring other workers in from somewhere else that's not Dodger Stadium employees to work concessions for that hey, game. If Dodger Stadium concession workers strike for the All-Star game. It'll be as if they're holding the All-Star game at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. <laughs> It'd be the same difference. Oh, we don't have any burgers ready. Sorry. We weren't expecting anyone to be here. But I mean, like... We that, couldn't have predicted this. I, I understand that this would be a good time if you want some demands to be met. If you're Dodger oh, Stadium and you got to wait to the very... But even if this is a threat from the concession workers, I feel like Major League Baseball could just call up the... The minor Angels. Leagues. Call up the minor league. No, the Angel the Stadium Fresno. workers or, you know, San Francisco bus them Las down. Las Vegas Whatever. Aces. 
and bring him over, right? Did you ever um, – have you ever had a Dodger – the delight of a Dodger dog? I've never been to Dodger oh, Stadium. Oh, it's glorious. On our trip to the Super Bowl, we passed it on our drive somewhere. Yeah, I've never seen it off in a distance. It was uh, – it's pretty glorious. Is it, wor- is it worth the hype? Oh, yeah. It's fair It's nice. a beautiful backdrop. Well, look, it's a beautiful backdrop, and the weather is automatically perfect. So it's a great place to see a baseball game. And the Dodger dog, if I, I, I can, my mouth is watering right now. I, I've just got that memory, like, connected. Is there something special about it, or is it just a really delicious hot dog? It's a really delicious hot dog, and then you put it in that setting, and I just remember having a perfect night there. Perfect. I, I like that. What is the top stadium, Paul, that you've not been to that you want to cross off the list? Because well, everyone, te- everyone tells me Camden Yards and Pittsburgh are the two uh, I should go uh, to. Uh, I've been to both. Um, I've been to San Francisco's ballpark two or three times outside yeah, well, <laughs> when was, there's an outside we there of baseball together. season. Yeah. So I would really like to see a game there. Um, Super Bowl one year, we were there in the pro shop. Walked into yeah. the pro shop together. Were they loading a Metallica show? It was obviously in you was, know, January. Was, uh, they weren't I, playing. I think that was when they were loading yes. a Metallica show. Yeah, we could hear a sound check happening, I think, yeah. with Metallica. I really want to see a game there, and I'm sick of being in San Francisco outside of baseball season. Yeah, I, I want to get there. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh's definitely amazing. on my list. I'd like to go to Yankee Stadium, even though it's not the old Yankee Stadium. Okay. We'll have to have an Outkick 360 summer tour at some point and cross some of these off the list. John Morant says he could cross Michael Jordan off his list, says that he would cook him. Something else I'd never heard before this weekend. We'll discuss when we come back. This is Outkick 360.